0: I think one of the most common conversations people have, um, or couples, uh, that they have after they have a baby is who the baby looks like more, right? Do they look more like mom or look more like dad? I just talk with Denise and just like, oh, kind of looks like Matt, you know? <laughs> you know, it tends to be this, you know, at the beginning as, you know, once the baby comes, um, it's kind of hard, right, to to feel out what who the baby looks like. It's... Every day it feels like the baby's constantly changing, so it 's often hard to tell who they look like, but people always come to give their guesses right if you're if you know if you have a family that's always the thing the first thing they do is just stare at the baby, I and mean, I just did that today um, and you know oh, you know he looks like mom or she looks like dad you know these sometimes it's kind of hard to figure out who they look like um with my kids um I don't think it's too hard to tell <laughs> who they look like. Uh, mom, mama's genes are very strong with my kids. I know there's some Filipino in there somewhere, <laughs> but mom's genes are very strong. It's always interesting to figure out um, what exactly kids inherit uh, from their parents, uh, whether it's their looks or their personality. Kids inherit something from their parents. And this morning, we want to look at Eve. We want to look at Eve, the very first woman and mother of all creation, because this is really where the Christmas story begins. Both Eve and Adam are our ancestral parents, and whether we know it or not, we've inherited so much from them. As we focus our attention on the women who gave us Advent, we're going to be looking at the life of Eve today. And as we kind of draw our attention to her, we'll be looking at how we've inherited her image, how we've inherited her brokenness, but as well how we inherited her promise, the promise that was given to her. We'll use that as our framework as we kind of work through looking at eve today. And so we'll start with we've inherited her image that we are beu- that we beautifully bear God's image. When God created mankind, it says in Genesis 1:27, it tells us that so God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created a male and female, he created them. See, God created mankind in his image, male and female. Both male and female bear the image of God. And those made by God, Eve, like Adam, was also made to be like God. They're made by God, but they're made in his image. They are made to be like God, to truly, to reflect uniquely God's likeness, his beauty in all of creation. You see, I think it's important to kind of grasp what it means that mankind uniquely reflects God's likeness his his beauty that came through Eve and Adam you know Eve's name it means mother of all the living she is the mother of every characteristic that makes us human the glory that all of us as as humanity experience in our lives is one that we inherit from the mother of all of us Eve but the scriptures it's interesting because it doesn't Define the precise content here of uh, of image and likeness of God for us. It tells us that we are, we we bear His image, that we were made in His image and likeness. But it doesn't necessarily define it. And but God's people over the centuries have really recognized that there are many facets of this reality of being in God's image. And what we learn from Eve and Adam are a couple of these facets. One is that Eve and Adam were created for love and relationship. They were created for love and relationship. The Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they perfectly relate, they perfectly love and fellowship with each other throughout all eternity. And so Eve and Adam were created in this likeness for love, for relationship, for for fellowship, and Eve and Adam and all their descendants after them were to be made for love and relationship and fellowship with their creator and with one another. That is something that is part of their likeness. We also see as well that um, in God's image, how the scriptures talk about that we are created to have dominion, have dominion over the earth and creatures. You know, Genesis 1, 28, God calls them to subdue the earth, subdue the earth. That is really to control the earth in accordance to his will and good character. You see, we as humanity, we are designed to exercise a loving and faithful rule over the earth and its creatures, caring for the land. Caring for creation, you know, having dominion doesn't mean that we abuse the environment for our own willful pleasure, but rather we're to imitate a loving and gracious and caring God in how we engage with creation. In Eve, the mother of all the living, we inherit this kind of likeness, this this beauty where humanity has this innate love and care for others and the earth. And I think at some level we understand this. We understand this to be our human experience. When we see people's innate concern for the earth and climate, the way indigenous cultures care for the land or environmentalists care about climate and pollution, that concern and care is there because we are made in God's image. We have dominion over the earth and and be able to imitate and and, and rule in the way of, of God's goodness and how he cares for all things. But also, being that we have this ability as well to love others isn't something that science can actually explain. You know, one of my favorite movies, Interstellar by the great Christopher Nolan, um, he captures this well in a dialogue. Anne Hathaway uh, plays a scientist named Brand, and Matthew McConaughey is, in, is a space explorer, and they, with others, they're on this mission, exploring space and looking for a new planet with hopes to prolong civilization, you know, like basically what Elon Musk and <laughs> Jeff Bezos are trying to do and having a race to do. Um, this was back in, you know, 2014 when this came out, but as they're in space, uh, they have this very interesting conversation about love. And I just want to be able to to, to, uh, share this with you because I think it's just really insightful. Um, You know, Matthew McConaughey plays Cooper and Anne Hathaway plays uh, Brand. And he says, you're a scientist, Brand. So listen to me when I say that love isn't something that we invented. It's observable, powerful. It has to mean something. Love has meaning. Yes, social utility, social bonding, child-rearing. We love people who have died. Where's the social utility in that? None. Maybe it means something more, something we can't yet understand. Maybe it's some evidence, some artifact of a higher dimension that we can't consciously perceive. I'm drawn across the universe to someone I haven't seen in a decade who I know is probably dead. Love is the one thing we're capable of perceiving that transcends dimensions of time and space. Maybe we should trust that, even if we can't understand it. Now I love how movies are able to articulate these very human experiences in life. Brand here, he's a, she's a scientist. She understands that love exists, yet understands it goes beyond these social constructs and science. She understands that, though she may not believe in it that it exists in us as humanity because we are made in God's image. It is part of our design to love, just in us, because we are made in his image. You see, the care for creation, the love um, is that we experience, we inherit this from Eve and Adam. It's in all of us, inherently. And if we or to selflessly give of ourselves to to love and care for creation and others this is how god would be glorified through our lives through that selflessness so that the world would actually know who he is however we know that life isn't full of selflessness and giving god glory and the reason is because secondly we also inherit the brokenness we inherit their brokenness, and that we are broken by our pride. You know, Genesis 3 is the story uh, of what is known as the fall, and it's arguably the saddest story in all of Scripture because it describes the day when when all of human history was permanently changed. In Genesis 3, Satan comes to them in the form of a serpent where his sole purpose is to turn Eve and Adam from their worship of God alone, turning them um, from their trust in the Lord as their creator, turning them from their glad acceptance as image bearers of God in the world. Wanting to turn them to become distrustful, distrustful of God's good intentions toward them. Because in doing so, they would instead serve and honor themselves in place of God. In other words, Satan's plan here is this: don't worship God. Be selfish. Be selfish and and worship yourselves because you don't need God. That's really his plan in in this in, in Genesis 3. And so to execute this, he comes to Eve. To make this happen, he comes to her and he tries to bring them down by using just a little doubt in God's goodness. We see this in Genesis, uh, starting at chapter 3, verse 1. He said to the woman, did God actually say? Just a seed of doubt there, right? It's like Inception, another Nolan reference. Did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit, the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, "You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden; neither shall you touch it, lest you die." But the serpent said to the woman, "You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil." You see, what Satan does here is just—he he simply makes them doubt God's word. But more importantly, he causes them to question whether God is really good to them. Is, real, is God really trustworthy in what he has to say? And so as we read on, Eve here, she takes the bait, starting, at verse, starting up again at verse 6. She says, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths and the sequence is this is the fall of humanity and and it wasn't just that it, they simply disobeyed god the fall isn't this just the disobedience it's that they chose not to trust god that God is good to them. And out of that, they disobeyed. It was a choice that God is not trustworthy in their mind, the seed of doubt that Satan gives. And then out of that, they act in disobedience. This is the pride that Satan tempted them with and they succumbed to, that they don't need God. They don't need him. And it broke what was once a perfect relationship because of their pride, their relationship with God and one another were estranged because they've ceased to trust God and doubt him because they no longer seek the enjoyment of God's company. Instead, right after we see them, they alienate themselves. They hide. And not only is their relationship with God estranged, it is with one another, of both her and Adam, as well as how they see themselves the scriptures tell us that they experience shame. They're ashamed and they, they hide. And as well, their relationships with one another and how they see themselves, they're, they're just completely broken. You know, yeah, I'm not going to go through the whole account, but you know, they're like blaming each other. Oh, the woman you gave me, but you know. It's like, yeah, the, we see the estrangement happen before our eyes as we read the scriptures. But that is part of the fall. Pride enters in and our relationships become broken. But also as we see that the relationship with the earth and creation has been broken. Genesis 3:17 it tells us that the ground is cursed. It tells us the ground is cursed and, they, uh, and that it will be difficult for them to subdue. You know, though their work as they do it can, can have joy as they use their body, their mind, and heart, and imagination. And we experience this as well you know, it can be fulfilling as they try to exercise dominion and, and, um, in the world. There will always be this element of trouble, sorrow, and pain. That's what it means when God said the ground is cursed. It'll be hard for you to survive. It won't be easy. This pride, this selfish self-centeredness and the consequences of pride is what we inherit in our humanity from Eve, the mother of all the living. You know, when we break down the scriptures like this, I I find it to be so insightful to help us understand really the fabric of our humanity. I don't think it's really hard to feel or recall experiences where these layers of pride, um, that we feel them in our own lives. Pride pretty much permeates Everything that we do, as we distrust in God's goodness and we take matters into our own hands, we do all kinds of things that are selfish and self-centered. Instead of loving others, instead of caring for what's best for the environment, we just do and take for ourselves. And I think you don't have to look too far at all to feel this in our lives. Just think about even just the property that we own. It's ours to build on. We do whatever we want. Just think about how we throw things away, to be, and to be honest, we don't really care what it's going to do to the world. you are just out of sight, out of mind. There's just not this concern that's there. I mean, a lot of that has to do with the fall within us, just this attitude of not caring how these decisions affect creation. Just think about relationships in your home. Relationships with your parents or siblings, relationships with your spouse, relationships with your own kids. I mean, just think about how those relationships are. Some of the closest relationships that we have can be broken, and it's often a combination of one another's pride and selfishness. We we want, we we don't love, but we. Don't get what we want, right? It's about us. And so there's a brokenness, and it comes out through a lot of nastiness at times, anger, um, just hurtful words that are communicating. These relationships get broken. We feel this. We feel this in our humanity because it is the brokenness that we inherit from Eve and Adam in the fall. But thankfully, This is not where the story ends because thirdly, we inherit the promise that was given to her by God. We inherit the promise given to her by God, the promise to bring redemption in our lives through her offspring. This here is really the beginning of the Christmas story. Um, Satan, though he uh, tempts and Distorts the image of God and Eve and Adam. He gives this promise as he confronts Satan in verse 13, uh, verse 15 of chapter 3. He says this. God says this to Satan: I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. When you first read this, sometimes it's kind of confusing. Actually, it doesn't sound that great. <laughs> Devil is now your enemy. You know, it's a, it's a weird thing. That's what it means to put enmity between Satan and mankind. There, he, he is now your enemy. He is your enemy. But God's point here is that instead of a, abandoning humanity, what he's doing here, he's, he's, he's declaring that he is on our side. That's what's happening in this verse, that we are enemies, along with God, against Satan. And to show his gracious love, even at this moment, to humanity, God gives Eve a promise that her offspring, as it says in the second half of the verse, that he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Meaning, one of her descendants will crush the serpent's head because that offspring will And that offspring will crush the serpent's head, but he will be bruised. He will be hurt in the process. Here in Genesis 3 is the first promise of redemption that we find in the scriptures. One of my professors, Dr. Michael Williams, he called this the mother promise. The mother promise. The mother of all promises to the first mother of all things. It's the mother promise. Um, God here, he's committing himself that through her offspring and generations to come, that through this seed, this person, will there be an ability to overcome the brokenness that humanity inherits from Eve and Adam? So, this is what we see, at the very beginning of the Christmas story. We see the promise of Jesus, the promise of the Messiah, the healer of humanity given here to Eve. She bears the mother promise that will bring hope to all of humanity. That even after doubting and distrusting God's goodness, God gives this promise of hope to Eve about their redemption. There is an offspring coming that will crush the head of the serpent and his powers. And though he will be hurt through the process, humanity will be able to overcome through him. On this side of history, we know that that has become true. We know that this has come to fruition that over 2,000 years ago in the birth and death of Jesus. You know, I don't know, it's just kind of more of a side reference, but if you've seen the passion of the Christ, that's what this reference is. You remember that, I don't know, when Jesus is getting tempted and at one point you see the snake coming and he crushes the head of the serpent at that moment. It's like probably one of my favorite parts of the of, of passion is just like making that reference. He's the serpent head crusher, Jesus. He, God is fulfilling his promise through Jesus, that through him not only is the hope of overcoming, but we have the power to overcome all that is broken in our lives through his death and resurrection over sin and death. And this Advent, we want to be able to celebrate this promise that was given to Eve, and it's a promise that we inherit by faith. I don't know about you, but that is such a hopeful reality I think all of us as adults and as kids, we born in God's image and there is beauty in all of us. We all reflect his image, but we're also broken by our pride and our selfishness. And we've seen that maybe in our lives, just manifest in different ways in our, in our relationships, how we treat others. But the hope here through Christ is that we can be healed. We can overcome this pride in our lives because God was faithful to his promise. He he delivered his promise tenfold through Jesus and his work. But not only does he want to heal us through the promised one, he also wants to use us (laughs) despite anything that we've done. I think this is something that we gain from Eve's life. As we reflect on her, we see how God still uses her despite having turned away from him, despite having distrusted him. He uses, here's this woman made in the image of God, broken by her own pride, that God still used to bring glory to himself in order to bring the healer of humanity into the world. Even after, you know, even after betraying him. He still, in his love, uses her to bring, generations later, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the hope for the world. And I think that's such a hopeful reality that we can learn from Eve, that God wants to use us in despite of our pride and selfishness that have really, in many ways, messed up relationships that we have with people and just messed up the ways that maybe we treat creation and all that God has given in this world. You know, when I think about even my own life, I honestly, and this is just my heart of hearts, believe, I, I can't believe that God would want to use or has used an arrogant, um, self-indulgent punk like me. I mean, it's funny because a couple of my closest friends... Um, from from childhood came this past week. They just kind of came on a whim. Hey, we're coming. I'm like, all right. My God. I'm working hard this week, this sermon, but I'll make time for you guys. <laughs> but uh, but I, I like seeing my childhood friends because they keep it 100. I mean, they just, they know who I was and who I am. And so I love it when I talk to them because they keep reminding me of like, man, you're so arrogant, you know. <laughs> It's like, especially with sports, you know, and just like, oh, I'm just watching you in the crowd, from the crowd, and just like, man, you just got into other people's skin, and you're just so arrogant and proud, and I'm like, yeah, man, has things changed? <laughs> I, mean, I don't want to believe that, but they keep it 100. I love it. I love when um, I talk to them and connect with them, And but in many ways, I just can't believe that, even from that time. God changed me He's, he, I, and, and, and uses me despite who I, who I was. It's an amazing thing that God would even use me at all for his purposes. And even today, I think I even mean, as, as pride still has its moments, just like all of us, where it, it wins and I fail to be a loving husband or I fail to be an understanding dad, Eve's story brings me hope that God still wants to use me. He wants to use me because he's on my side. He's on my side. He is waging war against the evil one. And that's really the hope of Christmas, is that through Eve's offspring, generations later, later, through the birth and death of Jesus, I'm able to overcome and be used. That through the gospel, through Jesus and his work on the cross, that my sin and my pride has been overcome by what he's done. And we can experience his transforming power in us through the Holy Spirit. He is at work in me, even now, trying to change my humanity. And it's only possible because Jesus came. Jesus came through the promise that was given here to Eve. Church, the struggles that Eve experienced in the days of creation are really the struggles that we've inherited. I mean, think about even just for a moment for yourself. like, How has pride manifested in your own life? Are you in a season where you distrust God's goodness and you're trying to do things on your own? What does that look like? Maybe that's in your career. Maybe how you are severing relationships with other people. How is your pride getting the best of you? What relationship in your life are broken because of that? Or maybe you're poorly stewarding all that God has given you because you simply just want to do what you want with what you have and what you own and don't really care about how it affects anything else. It's just about you. Thinking about creation or the environment because the world revolves around yourself. Yet the hope that we focus our attention to this Advent season is this promise that the serpent head crusher, Jesus, the promise that was given here to Eve, the mother of all the living, who was made in his image, broken by pride, but who God used to fulfill his will. Brothers and sisters, the hope that we have in Jesus, it's, it's a powerful thing because through him and by faith in him, we know that we can over, be, overcome the things that we struggle with that we wrestle with in our humanity. And God has, is faithful and has shown his faithfulness. And so once again, in this Advent season, let's remember, let's remember and claim who we have, who God has given to us, the promised one. He's given us Jesus so that, not that so we can just have salvation, but so that we can shine who he is in this world and draw people and be the light that Jesus says that he is through our lives reflect the good nature of God his 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 character that through our humanity that has been redeemed through the promised one we can shine we can shine bright through the way we love through the way we care all this is possible because of the promised one this promise given to eve that has come to fruition in jesus brother let's brothers and sisters let's Let's claim this reality of Christ in our lives and and, and enjoy and and reflect and allow him to keep changing us today during this Advent season. Let's pray together. Father, we just want to thank you. We want to thank you for the very beginning of Christmas. Thank you for the story of creation and the story of Eve and her humanity. Lord, we we know we inherit so much from Eve and Adam. Both their beauty, your beauty, but also their brokenness. We wrestle, Father. We wrestle with it. But God, we thank you that there is hope. There is hope for us because you have given us your son. Fulfilled your promise, you have sent the serpent head crusher, and by faith we know him through the scriptures. We know him, and we pray that you would help us believe and act upon what he has given us. Your Holy Spirit to change, God, help us to, to draw from your strength so that we might live out your goodness in our humanity. Shine who you are. God, you want to use broken people like us that have been marred by pride and selfishness and still use us to draw others to yourself. Lord, help us to to be led to you and be drawn to you and to be fueled by you so that we can love and care in the way that you designed it.